Hey everyone, it's the Freelancer Show and today we have a special guest, Alex San Filippo. We also have panelists, Petra, that's me, and Joel. Hey everybody. One of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's I don't want to deal with Docker. I don't want to deal with Kubernetes. I don't want to deal with setting up servers. I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps and I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from The Food Fight Show and we got things rolling there and so this is more or less a continuation of the Food Fight Show where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com. Alex, could you please tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, you know, are you a freelancer? What kind of things do you specialize in? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a side hustler. Let's call it that. So I've got the normal nine to five job that many people have. And alongside that, I've been doing side hustles for the last year now, year and a half, I guess, probably closer to that. And I just decided I wanted something more. I had a big corporate job and it's something I've always enjoyed, but I knew that I wanted something more. I really wanted to get into the podcasting space because it's been something that I've loved. I mean, being a guest here is, is awesome. This is a podcast I listen to. So I'm like really excited to be here today. And uh, so along with this one, and I guess just over a hundred other podcasts in the last year I've been a guest on. And uh, really enjoyed it. And then I have my own. It's called Creating a Brand. And the whole idea is to offer some form of masterclass for people that are looking just to go further faster in their business, whether that's somebody who's in a nine to five or somebody that has a side hustle that they're trying to do something with. But I want to help people also go the direction that I'm going. So that's the Creating a Brand podcast. And, and I enjoy that. And along with that, I started a, a company called Podmatch. Um, so think online dating, but for podcast guests and hosts to meet. It's kind of like the uh, the Tinder or the hinge of the podcasting space. So we're helping the guests and the hosts meet each other. And that's the latest piece of the creating a brand puzzle that we've added to the equation. That sounds really amazing. What a great, what a great idea. Actually, Thank we you. were talking um, at the beginning about ideas and you were saying that, uh, I hope you don't mind me quoting you, but you were saying basically that you hadn't had any ideas that were great, but when you were trying to solve a problem for someone else, they ended up being great. So how did you come up with that idea of matching podcasters with podcast guests? Yeah, so same, same idea. Did you just mention that? I'm glad that you actually brought that up. My ideas, Alex Santaligo's ideas have never been great, if I'm going to be honest. Like I've always had these ideas that I think are just so good. I'm like, this is going to just change the world. And anyone who's in a, you know, a freelancer has been there where you're just like, this is, this is it. This is the big slam dunk thing. And then you, you tell a few people and they're like, I don't get it. <laughs> or that sounds weird. Or why would anybody want that? You know, like all those things. And uh, I'm right there with everybody. So I'm human, just like the rest of us. I had some great advice given to me uh, almost, I guess, about six months ago now that really stuck with me because I never heard anyone quite say it. But the idea was instead of trying to come up with ideas, come up with solutions to people's problems. And it's something that I think that all of us, we should probably know, but we've just never heard it said like that. That was actually someone Dane, named Dane Maxwell. And uh, he he did a fantastic job, like really explaining it, kind of packaging it up. And so ever since then, I've just taken the the concept of, okay, instead of me trying to come up with an idea and working really hard to produce something, I don't even know if there's a proof of the concept that involved in that. What if I search for people's problems that they have and see if I can build an idea off of that problem? So when it came to podmatch.com, I was at actually, I don't know if you guys remember this. We used to do conferences in person. Have you guys ever heard of that? Like they weren't, they weren't over the, Joel, I don't know. Have you ever been to an actual physical conference? <laughs> it's been a while. It seems like a while anyway. <laughs> right. Well, believe it or not, beginning of 2020, there was an actual conference for podcasters. And I was there as a speaker. But when I wasn't speaking, my goal was to meet as many people as I possibly could and ask them what their problem was right now. What's the biggest challenge they're facing in the podcasting space? I took notes. I mean, I met 
there's a few thousand people there. I must have met hundreds of people. I didn't have like super in-depth conversations with each of them, but at the very least, I got the question out, hey, what's your big struggle right now? And the common trend I found among people was either I can't find good guests for my podcast or on the other side, I can't find good podcasts for me to be a guest on. Because a lot of people who go to podcasting conferences, they're actually not hosts. They're looking to be a guest on more podcasts. They're trying to get out their network. So I thought that was really interesting. So that was kind of the, where the idea was born for, for Podmatch. It wasn't my own idea out of nowhere. It was enough people said the same thing that I felt the need and the desire to actually act on that to see if I could solve that problem. The thing that I think is really interesting in what you said there is you didn't just go and ask like a plumber <laughs> what they thought. You actually went to a particular conference that was full of the type of people that you wanted to serve and asked them questions. And that's really powerful. And I think this is something where early freelancers take note because one of the first things that early freelancers will do is they'll go to local networking um, groups maybe not now that we've got coronavirus, but at least this is <laughs> the normal network. thing. You know, you'd be meeting people in person because that's usually the fastest way to get clients. And if you go to a local networking group that has a bookkeeper, a plumber, a real estate agent, an accountant, then if you're talking about something that an idea that you've got that's digital, they might all be scratching their heads and going, I don't even know what you're talking about. That can be very disconcerting but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad idea that you've got but you need to talk to people in your target market and that's exactly what you did which is great not everyone has conferences though so I'm in Australia and sometimes we've got conferences in Melbourne or Sydney but I don't live in one of those cities and it's quite cost prohibitive for me to jump on a plane go to America so what would you suggest for people to do the same thing that you did, but if they don't have access to a conference? Yeah, you know, it's a great question because honestly, it might even be more relevant in today's world. Like we don't know when we're going back to conferences or at least here in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, we don't have a clue. And uh, so I think you bring up a really relevant point here, which is how do we actually do this same thing that I modeled doing in person where I had the undivided attention of thousands of people who wanted to talk, right? Uh, We have to find focused online groups and a lot of this will be something as simple as a Facebook group. You can find one that's very focused on your craft or something that's in your space. Again, not general, find something that's more focused. And even if there's only 10, 20 people in it, you can learn a lot from 10 to 20 people, especially if all 20 of them say the exact same thing. That's really good data that you can do something with. You can actually take action on that. I'm actually a real big fan also because creating a brand, the podcast has an online community that goes with it. And we built it on a platform called Mighty Networks. I'm not sure if Either of you are familiar with that, but it's basically a third-party social media app and it's just very focused. And there are just thousands of people with these mighty network groups that are kind of off the big social media. But I find the people in them tend to be a little bit more serious than some of or the mass majority, I should say, of like the Facebook groups of the world and things like that. Not saying there's not some great Facebook groups out there, but the majority of them are just kind of a little bit more fluff and things like that. So I've been diving more into those and asking people in these networks that are smaller, a couple hundred people max, but I've been actually messaging people, talking to them. And you come out of a place of, of caring. That's the thing. Online people are very used to getting sold, right? If anyone logs into LinkedIn on a regular basis, you have 10 messages today on things that you need. Do you want to make your next big sale? Do you need your next big client? How about this? This will help you do that. You know, all these different things that we get on all these different platforms. LinkedIn is the big one for me. But you do it in a way that's not selling. You do something more so that's personal. You want to, you actually want to find their problem. You want to know the solution that they're looking for. And on top of that, you build potentially an advocate when you do that, because if they realize that you're actually there because you care and you're asking them for their feedback and you want to do something with that feedback, whenever you launch something, they will probably be one of your first customers or beta testers or whatever it might be, because they actually know that, Hey, I helped be, I helped create this and be part of the solution here. And that's exactly what happened for me because yes, I was in a conference, but right after that, we all went remote. So while I was remote, I was actually using the app for that conference to message these people. And I kept up with many of them. I told them the progress. And when we launched, we literally had hundreds of customers as soon as we launched. And we just call them members. But in the early beta test, these people were really interested in being part of it. So it was, it's really cool. But I recommend finding those communities, finding those individuals, and really getting connected with them. Set up a Zoom call. People like to talk. Or just message back and forth. But that, that'll be really powerful for you to be able to find the problems that people have. That's a really good idea, actually. And I've had mixed experience with using Facebook groups, but I didn't do what you suggest there. 
I figured that going to the biggest groups was going to be the most effective. So I went to the ones that had like 60,000 members. And what I found was that anytime I tried to ask a question that might be considered, um, you know, personal research for my business, someone would come in and say, nope, not allowed. (laughs) I'm only asking a question. What's wrong with that? But it would get um, classed as promotional. So I found that tough and I, I quickly got tired of that and, um, like I wasn't really getting any answers. So are you saying that if you go into smaller groups and ask the questions there, do you, like, do you need to be an active member before people start responding to your questions or do they pretty much see that you're appealing to something that's important to them? Yeah. You always run the risk if you dive right in and just start saying, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm here for this. Like it might, some people might be like, Oh my gosh, here comes another one or something like that. It is best to start developing a relationship. And what I recommend doing by that is find two or three of these groups that are decently sized. Some can be a little bit smaller, even less than a hundred people in the day. It's, it's a matter of the engagement. So for me, I, I tried the whole 60,000, even hundred thousand people group. Cause on my mind, I'm like, there's more people there. I will have more impact here. Right. That's the idea But the engagement on there is so low. And that's Really, most of that is just part of the Facebook algorithm, the way it works. It's just going to continue to show less people. Just because you have more members doesn't mean more people get to see the posts that are happening. So when you find those smaller ones and they're very engaged and they're checking it on an ongoing basis or they've turned on notifications for it because it's not all day long. When there's 60,000 people, there's a post every couple of minutes. No one wants those notifications on. But when it's just 100 people and there's only one or two posts a day, people usually want those notifications on. So they want to see everything that's happening in that group because they're really part of it. So for me... It means something as simple as getting into like, let's say three, three different groups and really getting there, engaging, adding value before you do anything. The first thing I want to do is, can I add value? Hey guys, here's my research on this same topic. Just wanted you guys to have a free link to download my, my ebook or this PDF or whatever it might be, or just a quick video saying, thank you for accepting me in the group, anything like that. And then get started, contribute where you can. Anytime someone else is posting, say something on it, like it, comment, whatever you can do. The idea is you have to be engraved in a community. So for me, I go back to that conference I spoke at. It's kind of the same thing because I went and spoke at the conference. I didn't just show up and start asking people questions. No, I went there to add value as a speaker. And when I did that, I gained influence with people. And then I was able to ask them questions and talk with them. And it really helped me a lot. And we can do something very similar in these different social groups as well online. I think it it can be a confidence shock for a new freelancer. And look, this show isn't just for new freelancers, but I'm thinking back to when I was trying this strategy. It was when I was new. Uh, it can be a confidence shock for a new freelancer to actually contribute because if they're in that ideation phase, they haven't necessarily launched the business yet or not to the degree that it will be because they're still coming up with the ideas. We need to ask people for what their problems are in order to have the ideas, but we haven't, we don't necessarily feel the confidence yet in what we have to offer. We might not have an ebook yet, or we might not have confidence in ourselves. So what kind of things can people offer in these groups, even if they're not established yet and they're just trying to come up with those ideas? Yeah, you ask such good questions. It's another powerful question right there. I think that the first thing we have to remember is that each of us has a unique point of view. Each of us has a unique perspective. We have some value that we can add to the world. There's a quote that I say a lot um, on, on a lot of podcasts I go on, and mine included, that each of us has greatness and creativity within ourselves. And what that means simply is that we have greatness inside of ourselves. We can be creative with whatever our craft might be. I don't like make logos and stuff like that. Like I'm creative with spreadsheets, but that is my form of creativity. And I think that each of us first has to really know that about ourselves. And then the next thing really speaks to authenticity. And I think that The Go-Giver, that book by Bob Berg, uh, one of his points for being successful is to be authentic and to show who you are. I think a lot of us, we want to jump in here. We're not feeling super confident. So we kind of want to put on this front as, hey, I'm building this business or I'm doing this or here's what I'm doing. And yes, you certainly should announce what you're doing because people need to know. But you need to do it in a way of saying, hey, I'm doing this because I think it's going to solve a problem. I need help. I'm not really sure what to do with this yet. And when you're transparent like that, people can see that, that you're just being yourself. You're not trying to act like you're 10 steps ahead of where you are. You're being authentic. People will grab onto that because it's so rare in the world today. People always want to act like there's someone who's arrived. And the truth is, if we're all honest, none of us have quite arrived yet, right? Like we've all got uh, more places to, to, to go and more things to achieve. But if you can walk into a situation or onto, online in, in a situation where you can just kind of share transparently, say, here's where I'm at. 
So again, kind of going back to what came this year, if you don't have an ebook, you don't have a PDF, if you're just kind of somebody who's brand new, you can still add your unique point of view to something. If somebody's asking for feedback or they shared something, tell them how much it helped them. That does the same thing. I mean, people are sharing valuable content all day that gets nothing. If you're the guy that gives them a little bit of praise, they are going to remember you. If they're like, man, she really said something nice about this post that I did and, and this guy did this. And, and being able to see that and us just be able to build a community together, that really makes a huge difference. And I've, I've found that it's just a powerful thing to do because you don't need all the products and services to kind of show up and add that value. Sometimes it's as simple as giving someone a pat on the back because we all need that more than ever right now. Yeah, I think that's really powerful, actually. Online, we tend to, like you were saying, we tend to get sold to a lot. Mm -hmm. And they're usually just random spammy people. There'll be people that will like things or give you a heart or whatever it is, whatever platform you're on. But sometimes you don't know the reason for that. And you might suspect that someone's trying to sell you something later and and, and they're just kind of lacking things. Yeah, Whereas if you actually like, give someone a compliment and show that you've actually read something that they posted, that's really powerful. Most spammy people would never go to that degree. So it does show that you're authentic. And we're all people at the end of the day and trying to turn ourselves digital can sometimes feel like we're not people. Like, well, at least when we're interacting with others online, they just seem like a name and text. They don't feel like a person anymore. But the more that we can make ourselves into people online and behave in the same way that we would if we were meeting someone face-to-face, I can see how that would be really powerful. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know what? There's something that all of us need to remember, no matter what we're creating or what kind of freelancer we are. At the end of the day, all of us are in the business of people. It's actually Joey Coleman. He has a book called um, Never Lose a Customer Again. And he talks about how all business is human to human. Sure, you might be providing a service to a company, but at the end of the day, at that company, it's somebody, it's a human that's using it. And we can remember that we're all people and people all have the same basic needs, right? Like we all need to feel accepted and to feel loved and to to feel like we belong, right? Like that's something that all of us have that feeling. We can remember no matter what we're doing, no matter what the solution to the problem is we're coming up with, whether it helps a company, a business, whatever it might be, at the end of the day, everything we're doing is human to human. We can remember that. It helps us keep things in a better perspective, I find. You know, I really like this idea that you're talking about. So often when you're a new freelancer, like if you're in the programming space or you're in the web designer space or whatever space you're in, the most obvious thing is to go to conferences of people who do what you do. Because that's where you have a lot of camaraderie and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the typical thing is there, well, you're all providing that same service. So you can't really sell anything to each other. So it's just more for camaraderie and stuff. I think that the, I, the twist here that was so interesting is you went to a group where people were the same as you. You were interested in podcasts. You went to a podcast place and then tried to find out, oh, well, what is it? they need and actually kind of look at it from that point of view that that is such a different twist it's like you know what i expect here is if i went to a bunch of conferences and stuff and met a lot of people like me who were saying like ruby and rails programmers or something and what do you need well we need a job (laughs) right (laughs) but it's not like this really worked out well for you yeah it did and and you know what 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 you're saying a lot of podcasters and there's nothing i have nothing against this but they show up and they talk about their their service they provide, it's always to help people launch podcasts. And a lot of us there, we're like, cool, we, we have a podcast and we have that same service as well. Like I have a course that teaches people how to build a podcast. So do most of the podcasters I know. It's because we've done it, right? So I was looking for something a little bit different. And I thought that that'd be really important to, to have and to somehow find a way to do. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a different perspective, but I find it to be so powerful is to go into anything that you walk into and say, okay, how can I be the solution the problem people have? And really, all it takes is being a great listener and then evaluating the data that you have, right? You just have to be willing to listen. You don't have to be a great speaker or talker or anything like that. You just have to listen to people. If you can learn to ask powerful questions, you will get incredible responses. I've always found that to be true. The better the question asks, the better the response I get. Not just, hey, how's the conference going? Or how's your business going? Those are great questions and all. But if you ask somebody, hey, what are you excited about? What's keeping you from achieving that goal that you have right now? And people are like, whoa, no one's asked me this. And they'll open up usually because it's like, wow, I, I never get to talk about this type of thing. And that's how you can really just evaluate some things. And I don't mean to go on a little tangent there, but I'm obviously a little passionate about this topic. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking earlier, 
about you you see yourself more right now as as a side hustler where are you where do you hope to go with that in terms of like from side hustle you hoping to take this this thing that you've got going right now and turn that into where you can freelance and kind of turn that direction with it or is this just an idea that you're you're testing out and you'll test out a lot of ideas i mean do you prefer side hustling kind of what's your What's your uh, ideal scenario where you headed with it? Yeah, well, first off, I'm I'm I love side hustles, so I think it's it's I think it's really cool that people have that. Uh, I'll always have a side hustle. Next year, I hope to write a book, which for me that will be a side hustle that I take on. Right, so um, that's the idea, and it'll all be related to what I'm doing. So I think that many people, when they think of somebody with side hustles, it's just somebody has their hands in everything. Right, I try not to be like that. I try to be very focused with everything that I do and make sure that there's a plan to it. That's really important to me. Now. When I set out to start the creating a brand podcast and community and all that, I knew I wanted to to build a podcast audience and we've done very well with that podcast. I'm very thankful for that. And then this was the first logical product, if you will, that kind of came off of that, which is Podmatch. And yeah, we have we have real goals. We've actually been able to evaluate the market. We're about a month and a half into beta testing and we're having about 20 to 25 people sign up every day right now. And some some are using the paid plan and most are using the free plan. The idea, though, was to be the solution that the industry needed, which often doesn't mean you start with profit. I know that's, I love Mike Michalowicz and his, his book, Profit First. We have the idea of profit, but first we want to make sure we're adding value to the industry. So the idea was, can we build Podmatch in a way that 90% of users could use it for free and the 10% of power users could pay for it and hopefully front the bill and things like that. So, but the idea is actually by year end to make this a full-time gig on my behalf and uh, my business partner. And we have real, real plans to do that. We're actually seeing everything is so far following the projection that we've placed. Um, I will forever miss corporate America, aerospace industry, but uh, it's been rough times for it, but it's been really fun to lead through this because I, I run one of the divisions of the company that I'm with. And, uh, but everything has to come to an end. You know, there's, it's Dr. Cloud uh, talks about necessary endings in one of his books. And that's always been something that's really spoke to me. You have to get rid of the good sometimes, make room for the great, and to really move into the future that you want. And this is one of those things that I see potentially being becoming a full-time gig. And of course, anything could change, right? And things could totally, podcasting could be relevant tomorrow somehow. I mean, won't happen, but you know, anything could happen. But we do have projections and plans by year end to make this a full-time opportunity for both me and my business partner. I think with the new membership type model that we're seeing a lot more of, especially with SaaS companies, and other kind of service as a, we call it service as a product type membership businesses. It's interesting in that you're saying that you can't really do the profit first because initially your cash flow is low. But the fact that, you know, freelancing as a side hustle is becoming more and more known about and acceptable and able to be done is fantastic because you can support that fledgling business with your full-time job and then once you've got to the point where that cash flow is coming all of a sudden you've got an insta business just add water so that that's really powerful i think that's fantastic and as long as you're able to follow the course of doing that obviously you're you've been in the phase of giving 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 and building an audience and as long as you can withstand that then you're able to um, build something into the future so that's quite a powerful model the fact that you're doing the side hustle and uh, for I guess for people listening that might be considering doing that, how long have you been in the kind of giving phase and having to support yourself from your primary income source? Yeah, so thankfully I, I had a partner in this one. If you know that goes back to networking, which is a totally different topic. But over the years, I've been able to meet the right people for for tasks like this. So I have a friend that's a great UX guy slash backend developer, which is like the rarest breed on earth, right? The one that can do both. And uh, he's great at that stuff. So I came up with the concept. He knew nothing about podcasting, but I told, I've worked with him on one of his projects years ago. I said, hey, I've got a project. I believe he's going to be a winner. I talked to him on March 10th, 2020. And on June 15th, remember the dates, June 15th, 2020, we launched into early beta. And so it was really quick, but because we just had the idea, we got it together really good. We just went for it. When we launched the first couple of weeks, we had no paid model at all on there. And then a couple of weeks after that, with the first up, big update, we actually introduced the discounted professional plan. So we have the basic plan, the professional plan. And again, the idea is that 90% of users will never need that professional plan. The idea is let's be the solution that the, the industry needs. And yeah, it sounds like, okay, well, Alex, you're, you might be losing a lot of money there. But at the end of the day, 
this doesn't cost us much money. It was me and a partner. We've spent virtually, I mean, podmatch.com, the domain cost a lot. Aside from that, we haven't spent a lot of money on anything else. We even keep our costs really low. And now we're already just a couple, I guess we're like a month and a half in when we're recording this, but we're, we're already profiting just off the few people that have been able to upgrade to the professional plan. And at the same time, this is another way to think. Exit strategy is really important in software. You have to really think about it from day one. I hate to think about it because I'm passionate about what I do, but I just know to build a good business model, you have to think about it. And more valuable than the money, which I know sounds super weird, is the data that we're getting. So those free users are in many ways worth as much as the paid users, just not to us today, but one day when Spotify or iHeart or even Amazon, who's now getting into podcasting, decides they want to buy us, they want to see the data we have on people. They don't care that we're bringing in, you know, even if we're bringing $10,000 a month in revenue, they don't care about that. They want to say, what do you know about these people that you can show us? Because that's what we want to buy. They want to buy the data. So for us, it's a long-term plan and strategy. And if you have the opportunity to, to keep some really just ongoing revenue through a main hustle, you know, like a main job, a nine to five type of thing, that's really going to help you out when you're building this side hustle. And for me, it's, it's really helped enable the way uh, to, to make this happen. And uh, it's, it, I think it's just a really good way to do things. I think a lot of us, we have this mindset shift of, okay, I want to do this. Here's my idea. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do this. But something I actually heard Michael Hyatt say in a blog post he did years ago, this really opened my eyes. This He did this massive research study where he proved that people are 30% more likely to succeed in whatever idea or business they're starting on the side if they keep on the side than if they move it to their full-time job. Now, I don't know exactly why that was, but 30% more likely to succeed if you don't quit your day job until you're actually bringing in profit and making money with it. I think a lot of it has to do with the mindset. I, again, I don't really know how that data works exactly, but I remember he's a trusted source and I saw that and I just has always spoke to me, okay, Alex, you're going to keep making revenue for yourself, for your family, and you're going to build something on the side. And whenever the day comes that you can kind of flip the switch and move into the other thing, then you can make that happen. That's really interesting. I'm thinking about that statistic now. I, I did the oh, opposite. Yeah. I jumped in face first. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had just had a baby at the time. So it was it was interesting because I didn't want to go back to work. Where I was working was an hour drive from my house and I was working oh, in a top secret lab. So I wasn't allowed to have a phone. And so I just didn't want to have a situation where someone would call me and I needed to pick her up and I couldn't get the phone call and then it was going to be such a long drive. But also I, I wanted to be self-employed anyway. So I jumped in feet first, but then what I realized is certainly I couldn't work with a baby. So I had to put her in full-time care anyway. And then there was such a hustle of, okay, I'm now self-employed. I've got to feed myself and feed my family, but I don't have all the contacts yet. I don't have all the ideas yet. And trying to make that work turns into such a hustle mode. Mm -hmm. And like I've been self-employed now for three and a half years. I'd have to say this year, things have really turned around for me. I've got a lot of good clients now. Great. Cool. But for the first three years, it wasn't that I didn't have good clients. It was more that I didn't have all the pieces set up yet. And so I always felt like I'm hustling, looking for new clients, looking, 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 looking. I didn't feel like I was just able to relax and go, oh yeah, I've got everything sorted. So maybe that's where that statistic's coming from because yeah. if someone's, I, I wouldn't say panicking, I, I wasn't really panicking throughout that either, but if someone's f- more focused on, okay, I need to eat today or I need to be my family yeah, yeah, and they're more focused on what they can get, then they're not able to also spend that time developing the kind of materials or audience that would enable them to have the longer term future from it. Yeah, like a perfect example would be Podmatch. If this was my main thing, I would be far more interested in getting paid clients, right? I would be, I would shift my mindset of adding value to trying to bring an income. There wouldn't be a free model in it at all, right? Everyone would pay. And not saying that's a bad business model or anything like that, but yeah, it kind of puts the pressure on you, right? Like it make, makes you say, okay, I've got to eat. I have to do this. And at the same time, I think some of this has to do with personality though, because if you're the type of person that can just stay comfortable forever, you may never make the shift, right? Because you're like, oh, I've got the full-time job. This is fine. Just something I do on the side. It takes some self-discipline if you're going to be doing both. Like it really does. And for me, working eight hours a day, faithfully for my, my current employer and doing this, I have to make sure that I'm really self-disciplined. I can't be like, oh, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing this. If I really have a dream to build it, I have to go after it. So I think a lot of it has to do with personality as well really is to who's going to succeed, who's not. 
but at the end of the day, yeah, if you, if you just decide you're going to just jump all in, which, uh, Petra, I love that you actually did that. I don't, I don't hear too many people do that. So good for you for making it work and turning the tide. But at the end of the day, like that doesn't work for everybody. Right. I mean, some people will never be able to, to turn that point because they're just going, they're like, I need to eat. I need to keep things moving. So, um, I think that you're one of the, obviously you're a star. I mean, you, you run this podcast, so you got that going for you. <laughs> I think there are quite a few people that do actually do that. Like you hear about people, they suddenly quit their job and say, I'm going to freelance now. And then the reality hits them of what that actually means in terms of what they have to do. And it's not just doing their job anymore because they say, oh, I can do it better than you. They say to their boss, no. They don't realize that they're not just doing the work anymore. They're now doing the work and the books and the marketing and the sales and, <laughs> and, 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 right. and, you know, there's that joke about you can, you can work whenever you want, as long as it's, you know, you can pick the 12 hours in your day that you work right. <laughs> and true. that's how it's feeling when you're starting. But, um, the the idea of the side hustle, I'm sure, is very appealing to a lot of people because they can kind of get through that early phase with some cash flow. But at the same time, the amount of time that it must take, you must be extremely disciplined and very focused in order to not just spend all of your time. Yeah. I mean, you have to live a life of intentionality. You have to be an intentional person in order to to make two things like this work. You have to I mean, self-discipline is kind of like when people ask me what my superpower is, that's what it's become because I've had to do that. At the end of the day, though, like it's not as crazy as some people think because, and here's why I say that. People are like, wow, Alex, you have a full-time job and you're growing Podmatch and you're actually running a podcast that's doing really well. Like, how are you doing all those things? At the end of the day, I have, I just, I did this math recently, but I have 24 hours in every single day. And believe it or not, so does everybody listening today. We all have 24 hours in a day. And the first thing I'm gonna say about that is eight hours go to my company, my full-time career that I'm in right now. And another eight hours go to sleep. Uh, I don't ever substitute sleep for work. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that. I, I know many of us, we fall into that. Like we get excited about our project we're around, we wanna stay up all night. Uh, sleep is the most important element of your health if you wanna have longevity. So those two things are, are just automatically, that time's taken out. That leaves eight hours in my day. Now, eight hours in my day, here's the thing. Somebody would say, I don't have time for this, but most of us are doing that same thing. We're working eight hours a day, we're sleeping eight hours a day. There's another eight hours that most people, if you ask them what they're doing, they're like, oh, I'm busy. Doing what? Um, I, uh, I had to do the dishes and take out the trash. And they're talking about like things that take five and 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, so maybe you've added up an hour of time. So what are you doing with the other seven? You know what's happening with that time? When you've got young kids taking out the trash takes seven hours. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> You are the except. You're right. I'm. I'm not trying to be insensitive. You are absolutely right. <laughs> um, it's not so much taking out the trash, but feeding the kids, and then you finally sat down to eat yourself, and then you hear, "Mom, Dad, I want a drink now," and you're just looking at it, going, "My dinner's gone cold. I've just spent the last." Goodness knows how long it is customizing a separate meal for all of the vegetable intolerant family members <laughs> it's amazing how long it takes but sorry i just cut you off there but oh, no um, you're good I, I think people that have young kids need to try to split that remaining eight hours into manageable chunks and suddenly get a babysitter because trying trying right. to actually do things when you've got kids in your ear is impossible it's absolutely impossible you just can't do it so having someone look after the kids finally gives you a bit of sanity that you can get into doing something else. Right. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because for me, I don't have kids. So it's a little easier for me. I have like zero variables in my life. I'm not saying that to like brag about it, but I don't have any pets or anything like that. So it's really easy for me to always know what, what's going to happen with my time. Uh, if you're not, if you have kids, you have pets, you have some other responsibility, you have to just time block anywhere you can. If you can only get an hour a day you can do so much with one hour a day. And this is, there's a quote that I love by Robert Kiyosaki. He says the word focus, and this is what he's broken it out to. The word focus stands for follow one course until successful. Follow one course until successful. So it goes back to you knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it. So if you say, okay, I've only got an hour a day. It's all I can give my time to. Focus for that one hour every single day and make sure that you're being very intentional with it. So when, what I mean by that is, don't spend time saying, okay, I'm going to need a snack during this time. Ooh, let me get up and go get some food. 
or um, I need a perfect playlist to work to, right? I think a lot of us, we fall into that because we're a lot of freelancers. Like I got to have the right music if I'm going to focus. And we have all these different variables. Oh, I need some water. Oh, it's too hot in here. If you know that your one hour is from, let's just say uh, 7 to 8 p.m., that's probably a terrible time. Let's go, let's go 9 to 10 p.m. That sounds better. And uh, so from 9 to 10, you know, that's your time. Get everything ready so that one hour is completely focused on what you're doing. Set a timer. Don't let anything distract you during that time unless, of course, there's an emergency or something like that. But if you're a mom or your dad, you can just be like, hey, listen, this is my alone time. You got to let me do this for a little bit. And I've had many friends have been able to do that. And what I mean by that, again, this whole idea of just one focused hour, you can accomplish far more than you think. But many of us in one hour, if anyone ever would just put a camera on most of us, we pick up our cell phone 20 times in an hour, you know, and we get up for a snack or to go to the wa- get water or to go to the bathroom, whatever it might be, all these different things that we do. We're not really focused during that time. But if you can say, okay, this clock starts now, I don't move away from what I'm doing until the end of this hour, you'd be shocked at what you can accomplish. Absolutely shocked. I know I've seen that be really true in my life. One of my favorite communities in programming these days is the Angular community. Every time I go to an Angular conference or meet up with some of my friends who are in the Angular community, I have a great time. And a lot of them have wound up on Adventures in Angular. So if you're doing front-end development, you're looking for a way to keep current on the Angular ecosystem, and you want to have a good time listening to fun people talk about great topics related to Angular, then go check out Adventures in Angular at adventuresinangular.com. So this is interesting, that the idea of just being able to focus and, and get something done it, it makes me wonder something that I get asked by people sometimes. People ask me, where does your self-discipline come from? How did, how did you get it? Was there a time when you weren't so self-disciplined and thought, wow, I wish I could get things done and had to struggle with developing that? And what was that? If you had to do that, what was that path like? What got you there? Yeah, this has a really simple answer. Before I was married, uh, I had zero self-discipline. And then uh, I married my wife and uh, it was like a random Thursday, like a couple weeks after I got married. I'm like, hey, the guys are going to go do something. I'm out of here. And she's like, what? Like, you're just leaving? I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to hang with the guys. And then like, she's like, all right. I did it again, like two days later. And then like, I had no plan for like a weekend. Anyway, long story short, she's like, listen, you need to start keeping a calendar and like have an idea of what you're doing with your time because you just jumped to whatever's happening. And uh, I had never thought about it ever. And uh, that was the first realization I had of like, oh my gosh, okay, maybe I need to actually think about this. And uh, from then on now, it's funny, we've completely flipped roles on that. She's like, you're like the most like, on time person, most disciplined person, like intentional plan guy I've ever met. And it was just a little push that happened for me. But that's when it started. And and I didn't like get it at first, like, I I really didn't. Until the day came that I wanted to start doing some side hustles and things like that. And I just had the same, like defeated mindset of like, I don't have time because right now I'm working 10 hours a day. I'm tired when I get home. And I have to eat and, uh, you know, all these different things that would run through my head that many of us say, like the reasons why we can't. So I decided, okay, if I'm going to do this and I can't change those things instead of being defeated by them, is there a way I can step up? So I started really exploring things like, okay, I'm tired in the day. Is there a way I don't have to be tired? And then I discovered, okay, Alex, you're playing video games till two in the morning. You're going to bed at two. You're waking up at 730. Like that doesn't add up. So I actually, I'm like an extreme guy. So I just sold my Xbox is what it was at the time. I'm just gonna be real. And we probably just lost all the listeners right there. Like selling a gaming (laughs) system is is scary, right? But I knew that I had to, I started sleeping better. And then I wasn't near as tired after 10 hours. And then I learned that fitness and exercise can actually give you more energy. So I started working out. And then I started eating healthy because when you work out, you want to eat a little healthier because it should have some effect, right? So I started doing these things and realizing that like, okay, all these things are leading me closer to living a more optimal version of my life. And now, although I'm working 10 hours a day, I'm not letting that defeat me because the few hours that I have at home every day to work, two or three hours as a newlywed at that point, I realized I could get a lot done with that time. But yes, it took a lot of, it took a lot of self-discipline. It really took me deciding, okay, this is something that I'm going to do. And it actually reminds me of like a quote, actually, when you, it's about purpose. So at the end of the day, like your purpose, why are you doing what you do? And Michael Hyatt says this really well. He says, when you know your why, you know your way. And the reason I was doing things that I wanted to do is because I wanted to provide for my family in a different way. I wanted to kind of break the mold of being like a family of, of corporate workers. I, there's nothing, I had nothing against it. I still to this day don't. I think it's amazing. But I knew I wanted something different. So my why was how can I break out of this? And then the way became more clear. Okay, I'm going to start side hustles. And eventually one of these things is going to take off to be a real business. And that really is what drove me to be more self-disciplined, if you will, was having that purpose behind me and then taking those little actions along the way that have just helped me throughout my life now. How do you 
choose what thing you're going to focus on in the short amount of time that you're working each day on your business. Yeah, it all comes down to really clarity at the end of the day. I think that a lot of us, we kind of get this idea of here's the, the 10 things that need to happen, right? Like, but if we can get really clear on the thing that actually matters the most to grow your, your business, your side hustle, or whatever it is that needs to happen next, even if it's not the most fun, if we can really figure out what that thing is, it can help drive things forward. There's a quote by uh, Leonardo da Vinci, and he says, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And so for me, I just keep that time simple when I'm going to focus. Sometimes like there's a lot of things that we could be doing. I could be like, all right, well, I need to respond to 10 emails. I need to kind of design the first draft of a logo for the the idea for somebody to design for me, have all these things to do. But instead, what is actually the thing that is going to grow your business the most and help you be able to, to drive forward? So I just take the top level, like what's the thing I can do right now? And so my focus time isn't spent doing more of those administrative tasks because the truth is I can be hanging out by the pool and I can respond to a few emails. I can send a draft email there, but I can't focus on something that's like, okay, what does this algorithm need to do if it's really going to work for somebody? Can't be having like a conversation doing that, right? So for me, that focus time is something that I really know. I'm crystal clear as to what the next important move is for my company and I just keep it simple. So I try not to make it overcomplicated and I always remind myself that because I can tend to be a little bit... uh. Uh, complicated with my way. I think I make things way too complex. But when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, what does this really need to do and why? And if you can always break it back down to that, you can really understand what to focus on, I've found. I like how this all started with a, uh, a calendar for having fun. That's, that's, that's the, the cool thing about that is yeah. <laughs> it's not a complex idea and it's not something that sounds really painful. It's like, you know, I'm imagining you, you started out just like, okay, here's the week. What can I put in different days of the week? So I can go out and do some fun things and then just kind of build that up from there. So it doesn't sound like you ever went through this real battle with hating a calendar. Oh, this time slot comes up. What if I don't want to do that? Because you started off with actually things that are fun. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah, it started off just, okay, I'm going to, my wife and I are going to hang out with some friends on this day and this day I'm going to work and this day I'm going to go do this. All these things that I enjoyed. Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. And I, I, you know, I think some people, we think of a calendar like, oh, I don't want to do that because then like, I feel like my time is being controlled. Uh, the truth is, when you don't know what you're doing with your time, your time is controlling you. When you keep a calendar, but you are then in control of your time because you know what's coming up instead of like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And I have some friends in my life that just still this day don't get this. They're like, um, I don't know what I'm doing this weekend. If I look at my calendar right now, I can tell you what I've got going on for the next month. I can tell you the next time I'm going to be on a podcast. All those things are in there because I prioritize that. And yeah, it all started with fun, Joel. Like that's probably the reason that I like to look at my calendar. <laughs> and I think one of the problems that I've seen myself and heard some others run into is I think there's a temptation when people find out what a calendar can do and all that. Oh, I'm going to put things on the calendar to make myself do something I have not been able to make myself do so far. Like the idea that just by putting that time slot in, that will be both the discipline and the inspiration and the why. And I think what I found is that's a huge mistake to think putting a thing at seven o'clock after work on there is actually going to be a substitute for having the drive because you know why you want to do that thing, for having the discipline and the habit of having prepared to do that thing. Just putting it on that time slot, I think is a recipe for failure. Yeah, it definitely can be because here's the thing. No one's figured this out yet, at least. I don't think there's any calendars out there that'll electrocute you when you don't do something on it, right? <laughs> like, the truth is, when it comes up and you're like, nope, not doing that. I've already turned on Netflix for the night. That is not happening. You will just let it slide right by, clear notifications, and it is out of your mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my experience. <laughs> right, mine too. Sounds like a good new product to come up with. I'm out for this one. One of you can have it, all right? Or one of the listeners today, you'll enjoy this. The electro calendar. Yeah. I will not be getting one, by the way. You should validate this idea first, like we're talking about. It's so easy to justify the things that you don't want to do, though. When if I, I, I used to try putting everything on a calendar. So I, I tried planning out what my week was going to be, and I broke it all up into little chunks. And then you'd come to a section that you didn't want to do and it would be easy to go oh well when I planned it I hadn't considered that today I'd need to do this that and the other so that's right I'm just going to disregard that now and I'm going to do this other thing because ultimately you tend to control what you, you tend to go by what you want to do rather than what the calendar says so like you're saying you need to have a electro calendar but I think what you're saying, Joel, it's important that you make sure that what you're putting on your calendar are things that you actually want to do 
And if you don't want to do something, you probably need to ask, why is it that you don't want to do it? Is it because you're frightened of something? Is it because it feels like you don't know how to do it yet? Or is there some kind of shame that's coming up with this? There must be some kind of emotion or it could be like a physical pain thing. So for example, some people don't like exercising. They just hate being painful and out of breath and everything. So they won't, they just won't exercise or they don't like being cold. They don't want to get up in the morning to go do it because it's cold. They want to be comfortable. You know? So there's usually some kind of negative emotion that's stopping people from doing something that they'd set out to do. So if you can explore what that is and find a way of turning that around, then maybe you can want to do those things. Or it might be that the business that you've chosen, uh, some of the things that you need to do just are things that you hate to do. And if that's the case, then getting help, hiring someone that can help you do that rather than beating yourself up about it. You, you know, need that's, to do everything. Yeah, Petra, that's really right on. And that's one of the things that fascinated me about what Alex said, how he got started, especially because I've tried calendars and had trouble. And now I found uh, this coach um, who, Eric Davis, he's a former Navy SEAL and he's got this, this uh, program he's doing. It's, it's not even very costly. And he coaches you on how to build your life out of things you like and his main key is trying to put yourself in flow and the idea of flow you as you guys probably know is so something is difficult enough to be challenging so it really brings your whole mind into it but not so difficult you're in anxiety and hitting that can be a little difficult and what he says is you want to start off with things you already know put you in flow so you look forward to that part of your calendar and then move from there and try to get your mindset some of those things you've been trying to get yourself to do you can do in a way that will continue to put you in flow and then he said, then stuff starts to come easy. And I, <laughs> I had to pay somebody to explain this. It's, it's interesting, Alex, that you started out with, you kind of backed into this and figured out. You started <laughs> yeah. scheduling things that put you into flow probably and were a lot of fun where time just kind of ceases to exist. You're just enjoying yourself. Yeah, it's funny. I definitely didn't go with a methodology like you did there. You found a way to do it. I, I, I stumbled upon this, everybody, by, by mistake a little bit. But <laughs> still to this day, though, like I still have the same practice you're talking about. I'll, on no day will I have two tasks and be really difficult for me. And Petra, going back to what you're saying, it's really important that we know that like, hey, if, if we really aren't enjoying this at all, and we just hate it, that's okay. That means you discovered something that isn't the right path for you. Stop. That's okay. You can do that at any point. But there is a something to be said for painful practice. There might be something that you love. Like I'm loving Podmatch. There have been some tasks that I've written down to do that I really didn't want to do. It's not fun. And I go back to, I'm, I'm an old NFL fan, but I go back to Jerry Rice. And he said, today I'll do what others won't. So tomorrow I can have what others can't. And I have to remind myself that. Sometimes I have to go through the painful practice of doing this. However, to Joel's point, never on my calendar am I going to have, here's an hour and a half time block where I'm going to do this really painful task. And then right after it, here's another painful task. Like, I'm not doing that because guess what? The second one's going to come up and be like, no chance. I am done. I'm not doing that. Instead, it's like, okay, how can I celebrate this? I can get this knocked out. Oh, now we can go out with friends. Or, hey, I can go play a soccer match. Like, the different things that I love to do, I make sure that I kind of build it in a way that it's interesting to me. Like, the day isn't like, I never wake up on the counter and like, oh, today's going to be terrible. You know, like, the goal is not to do that. But many of us, we set ourselves up for failure because we're like, here are the hundred things that have to get done. And let's just, you know, I'm going to try the whole calendar thing, but throw them all on my calendar. If you just throw them all on there, again, you're the, you're the one that's your credibility at that point, right? Or you're the one that's holding yourself accountable. You'll be getting electrocuted a lot with the electric <laughs> calendar. <laughs> when, you, when you get Petra's electric <laughs> calendar, yes, you're going to be getting shocked left and right if you don't finish everything. <laughs> <laughs> bad scheduling, bad scheduling. Right? <laughs> don't do it. You know, people would learn. This may, might not be a bad idea. I'm starting to turn around to this idea, you guys. <laughs> I think this is great. I think this is great because giving people a window into how, especially people who hated calendars, view them as drudgery and all that, giving people a window into how to get started and to not hate it and build a calendar you like and start to schedule things that you may be already doing it, that you really enjoy doing so you know you can get to do more of them. I think that's just such a great window into getting started with more discipline. I'm thinking of that as well as, we don't want to get into the habit of thinking that if we don't like it, that it's not important because whether or not we like to do something and whether or not something is necessary are two completely different things. I recall beginning of the year, I had a meeting with someone who wanted Google ads and uh, he was uh, like running, he'd started a SaaS business and I said, great. So how many of, how many memberships have you sold so far? 
And he gave me this really puzzled look and he's like, none, that's what your job's going to be. And he spent a lot of time working on this. And I said, well, what, um, you know, what's been the feedback of the people that have tested it or when you've had conversations with people, have they described what features they wanted? And he's like, oh, no, I haven't spoken to anybody. I just knew that this was really important. And I said, so have you ever jumped on LinkedIn and chatted to people in your market to see if it was something that interested them? Oh, no, 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 I, I don't like to sell. I'm thinking, well, all right, this is a real problem because, yes, you might not like to sell, but when it comes to a business, a business isn't all creativity, especially if he admitted that he'd spent his life savings on it. Like mm. there are some things that are actually necessary for running a business. So one of those things is administration. We can't just leave our finances for the finance fairies to come and fix like. <laughs> Someone has to look after the finances. Someone has to make sure that you're actually paying tax. And you can't, you can't just go, oh, I'm not interested in doing that, so I'm not going to do it. If there is something that you don't like to do and you do want to delegate it, you're, the thing with the delegation is you are still responsible for the task. Another person might be doing it, but you still need to make sure that it's being done. And you don't want to be skipping things that are really important because of some excuse that you haven't got time where you don't like the task. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's so true. I think that when it comes to, to us looking at, you know, we talked about a lot, a lot of that stuff involving business and things like that, but yeah, at times our calendar is going to have things in it that we don't really want to do necessarily, you know, and some of it might just be if you're taking it too big, too fast. Sometimes if you start a little bit smaller, you can just do a little bit of, of everything. It's not like, okay, I got to manage the books. Cause like for me right now, it's not a lot. I'm still doing it. And I don't like to do that, but it only takes a few minutes. You know, it doesn't take any time yet because we're starting small. We didn't bite off more than we can chew. So I, yeah, I put that in the calendar. I book a little bit of time for it to make sure it's something that's more like on the administrative side of things, but it is really important. I think that a lot of us, what we have to do is think about what we're doing as a whole, like step back from it and remind ourselves, okay, why am I doing this? Am I solving a problem for somebody? And then define what success is going to look like for you in that. Actually, you guys had an episode with Jeremy Green. 343 was the episode number with Defining Success with Jeremy Green. And he, he really put this really well, but he just talked about the whole idea of, hey, like sit back, define what success is going to look like. And then for me, it's build my calendar off of that. So success means for me, spending a lot of time with my wife, with my friends, and then also building this side hustle right now, staying faithful to my job. These are the things that matter to me and give me a fulfilled, successful feeling in my life. So I make sure that I book, that, book it out that way. And if at any point, the, the little things that come up that I just don't like doing. Yeah, I'm going to try to sub them out if I can. But at some point, I have to remember, like I'm starting small, I'm going to have to do a few of these things. And that's where it goes back to self-discipline, which isn't fun for a lot of people. But really, if you want to succeed, that's the difference that you're going to have to, to make for yourself. And it all kind of goes back to what Jerry Rice says, like today, I'm going to do what others won't. So tomorrow I can have what they don't. And uh, it's, it's so important for us to do though. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting balance to try to strike. The, the way I've heard it said, again, from this, this course I'm taking with Eric Davis, is if you have something in your calendar you hate and then it continues to come up and you don't see any change, it's just flatlining across and I really hate this, those are things you really need to look at saying, I, I got to find a way to change this, alter it, get rid of it, delegate it, whatever it is. Those things will eventually start to really sap your strength. And he said, if you're looking at something and it does, I hate it, I hate it, but I haven't given it very long. He said, there is such a thing as giving up too soon, you know, kind of to your point, Petra. You can't just give up on a task because you don't love it. But the balance I think that I took away from that is you shouldn't continue to hate something over and over. And so for me, one of the examples is one of my friends challenged, challenged me to try this Wim Hof method. Okay, so the Wim Hof thing is great for people up in Minnesota because it's really, really cold up here. And it has two components. One is breath, breath control doing that in the morning. So you do basically, you're kind of basically hyperventilating for a minute and then holding your breath. And so what you're doing is you're learning to not always breathe so shallow during the day, but breathe really deep breaths and kind of just train your, your nervous system to want to be able to breathe more deeply, use more of your lung capacity. Supposed to be a very good health thing. And then the second part is you go in and do your shower. And at the end, you turn it cold as you can stand and you take a shower that's cold. And he's got a bunch of things about the health treatment to cold. And one of the things it does is it does make you a lot more tolerant to cool weather. And so it turned out much to my surprise, I hated the breathing and I actually liked the cold shower. After I think probably two months, 
I still hated doing the breathing. And so I asked him about this question in the forms we have. And that's when he elaborated on this thing. If you have something like that, that you're continuing to just really hate and you don't see some sort of change or uptick, you really need to think about changing it, substituting something similar but different. Try something else. Don't just trudge forever. He said, because that is going to wear you out over time. Yeah, that's it's such good feedback. Actually, I do something really similar. Now with the breathing, with the shower, for a while, I started off my day with, I, I'm not naturally a morning person, but I wake up at 5.30 because that's just when I know I need to be up and to, to get the things done I need to do. And I started off with a cold shower because someone recommended it and said it'd be great for you. Same thing. I was doing it for months on end. And I was telling people about it. I'm like, man, I just dread waking up. I'm like, oh, because you're tired. I'm like, no, because I'm getting in a cold shower and I hate it. And someone's like, well, then why don't you stop doing that? I'm like, well, it's good for you. And they're like, well, it can't be that good for you. I was like, good point. And you want I stopped. And something slightly different I did is now after my workout, I work out at 1 p.m. every day, is right after that workout, I jump into a cold shower. And actually, I really enjoy that because it feels I, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and I work out outside every day. That's just something that I like to do, but it's over 100 degrees most days. So when I come into a cold shower, it feels fantastic. And uh, so that was like my, my small change. And guess what? I don't mind waking up in the morning anymore. It wasn't the fact that I was waking up, even though I didn't initially like that. It was the shower that I didn't like the cold shower. But it's a small change, but I'm still getting the same effect. But yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, if you really don't like something, then sub it out or find a way to make a shift to, to reposition it in a different way, do it at a different time, whatever it might be, just try different things. And for me, I'm not like a guy who's, I love routine. I'm a big routine guy. I'm big on making sure my mornings, my afternoons, my evenings are all kind of the same, very, very little variability in anything I do. However, there comes a time where I just get burnt out on certain things and I need to make a change if I'm going to keep it effective. If I just think I'm going to live my life exactly the same every day for the rest of my life, eventually I'm just going to get burned out and then you just stop doing things. And so you have to constantly be looking and evaluating. And for me, this is an act of self-reflection, right? I will literally sit down with a notepad and I don't bring my phone. I have a pen, a piece of paper. I look at it and say, okay, what is working? What's not working? And it's like, okay, well, I used to work on the evenings. Well, I'm tired every day. I dread working out. I'm like, well, what if I move it to one in the afternoon and then work an hour later with that work? And just trying little things like that have made me continue to evolve into becoming, again, the best version of who I am, I believe. Yeah, that's great. Just the idea of moving some things around from, from the cold shower to the workout and all that. That's just that idea of, of just some sort of modification to try to get over that hump where something's not there that you just hate. And, and I think the second part in there that I find really interesting, some people, and especially they say like, you know, pets and children do really well on a very fixed schedule in general. Mm -hmm. um and then they say probably most adults too and i'm finding i'm very much the same way as you described if i don't have some change-ups and some variety and stuff i don't think i can stand seeing like the same calendar more than two weeks in a row or it starts to really kind of wear on me and so that means i need to dedicate a certain amount of time i know i have to dedicate a certain amount of time just to planning and reviewing and maybe locating hobbies or something like that I got to keep it a little fresh. I'm not somebody who could tolerate a lot of repetition for a long time. Yeah, my guess is that most freelancers are just like that, by the way. I think that a lot, that's just kind of the name of the game, right? I'm right there with you. I think that you just nailed that one. Back when functional programming was making its resurgence, I found it really interesting that a lot of people were moving over there and it almost felt like it was on hype. And I didn't really understand the power of functional programming until I learned Elixir. Elixir is a functional programming language. It's built on the Erlang virtual machine. And it really does some interesting things and makes you build apps in a different way. But what's really fascinating about it is the speed of the applications, the ability to distribute work easily, and just how it manages the functional programming and all of the nice things about it so that you don't have to worry about side effects and a lot of the other things that come out of functional programming. Plus, pattern matching in Elixir is a killer feature. If you're looking for a new language that you want to learn, that is going to make a difference for you and give you the opportunity to challenge some of your thinking and find a new way of doing it, Elixir is a great way to go. And we have a podcast now on Elixir called Elixir Mix. And you can find that at elixirmix.com. Alrighty, but I think we need to actually segue into picks now. We're starting to run out of time. So it's obviously been a really lively conversation about calendars. We started talking about how to solve a problem and ended up moving into routines in calendars, which is... That's a problem itself, right? Come on, we solved the problem. <laughs> well, ultimately, we it's important that we also talk about things that real people are having problems with. And routines is obviously something that everyone does struggle with to some degree. So that's a it's a good flow in the conversation. 
That's great. But, yeah. And just before picks Petra, let's yeah. find out uh, how people can reach Alex and um, yeah. how they can find yeah. his resources. Alex, you want to tell us where people can find you and uh, what resources you have? Yeah, sure. So for this audience, I, I, again, as a listener of this podcast, I'm a fan of both of you. So it's like really cool to be here. So thank you again for having me first off. But uh, I want to make sure that I really uh, gave something to your audience. Uh, me being a blogger background, podcasting, content creation from that standpoint, I have courses on this and I'm actually going to offer them to you guys for free. Best way to, to find them is either just go to creatingabrand.com and click on the courses page. And uh, I just made all these things for a limited time and make them free. So whenever you guys hit this, it'll be up. But the easiest way to get in contact with me is actually just text the word connect to 1904-299-8992. And that'll automatically send you straight to my free private community where you can get all of the, the courses and things like that. And that's just me doing my best to add value to, to you guys there. So, and that's really it. And then podmatch.com, if you're interested in being a guest or a host on there, it's a platform that's free for most users. I think that most people really enjoy it. So yeah, that, that, that's that's me, everybody. That's where you can find me. Great. Thanks, Alex. I think you said earlier that that was going to be your pick as well. Or did you have something, another pick? Oh, no, no. no I, got some, I got some picks for you. Come on. Oh, can't, can't fantastic. Steal this from me. Awesome. Can't steal this from okay, yeah, <laughs> no, uh, no. Go, go ahead, please. Yeah, the picks are none of, my, uh, none of my content. But there's a book that I read this year called Indistractable by Nir Eyal. And it talks about the art of being indistractable. Like he calls it the superpower for humans is the way we put it when I interviewed him on my podcast. But this book like changed the game for me when it comes to actually understanding like what's distracting me, how to actually control my own attention. Really a solid book. I recommend it to everybody. I think it should be on the shelf of every business and person's home. Uh, Really important. So indistractable is my first pick there. And uh, next, a podcast that I love, uh, Building a Story Brand with Donald Miller. I feel like if there's somebody who really just knows how to interview people well, uh, it's this guy. He like asks the questions that I want to ask. So I'm like on the other side, I'm like, yeah, yeah, ask him that next. You know, like ask him that. He seems to get it. So Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller is a really cool podcast. And the last one, um, it's an app that I've really been enjoying. It's called Fabric, but it's spelled F-A-B-R-I-Q, Fabric. And it's actually one that helps you track your friendships. So it lets you know last time you contacted your friends, last time that you actually had a text or phone call with them and and the next time that you want to do that. So it really helps you be intentional with your friendships, which is really important to me. We live in a world that's, again, we're all really distracted. We're all really busy, right? At the end of the day, there's a handful of people that are in my life that I want to make sure I keep up with. And this app really helps me to be intentional with those friendships. So those would be my three picks, that book, that podcast, and that app. Those are things I'm really enjoying right now. I'm so going to get that book. (laughs) That sounds like I love reading those I read so many books and whenever I hear about a new book that is within my interest, I'm like writing down all the things I need to buy. Yeah, I got a whole section called Raising Indistractable Children. It's very fascinating. I read it. It's really cool. Really good. I've got one that's like that automatically. He's just always like that. (laughs) And then the other one, not so much. It's funny. Get him on a new calendar. Yeah. So you can get him electrocuted by your uh, (laughs) button gear, right? Uh, he'll, he'll definitely be the software developer and then the other one not so much but um all right so if yeah if you wouldn't mind grabbing some links for those and and putting them through the chat while joe joe what's your picks for today yeah i've got two picks today so um as you can see because you guys have video and our listeners don't i've got a headset here with an actual boom mic and it took me considerable time to find something that actually had something that covered both ears. And so both my wife and I are working home right now because of COVID. So there's definitely times when we're both on the phone together. So I had to solve two problems. One is I don't want outside noise. And most of these boom mic ones have only a single ear on one side and just a little stick on the other. So you can actually hear your office mates and do a side conversation. I, that was not going to work for me. And the second thing is this one has turned out to be very directional. It picks up extremely small amount of noise from in front of me or whatever's going on elsewhere in the room. And it took me, I think, two or three tries ordering kind of a couple different products from Amazon. By the way, their return policy is amazing. I don't know if you guys have this down there, but Amazon now, the return policy, if you don't like something, you can often just bring it to like a local retail store here and hand it. You don't even package it and ship it. So... That's been great for trying out some of these things. Um, anyways, so the uh, headphones I ended up with is the uh, this brand here. I'll put a link to the MPOW, so M-P-O-W, H-C-5 Bluetooth headset. And sometimes I have a little trouble with getting the Bluetooth to hook up and stay. So as you say, today I'm wired. I just plugged in the wired wired uh, um, little connector that comes with it. 
just a standard, you know, I think it's the eighth inch jack or whatever, but most of the time I can get the Bluetooth to work right. And so it's, that's been great. And the second thing I uh, hadn't realized I was going to put this in until we started talking today is, um, let's see where I've got the link here, is the link to <clears throat> Eric Davis's website where he teaches some of these principles about how to build a life you like. Basically, build the calendar, how, why it needs to be based on flow and keep yourself in flow not a punitive kind of calendar and just how to go through the different areas of your life and look for ways you can make changes that returns more power to you. I believe he defines power, defines power as more energy, time, or money. So you want to make changes that cost you one of those three in the end again, because implementing a new thing does take a little hill to get over, but then when you get over the hill, you want it to return more of one of those three than you had to put in. And so uh, this, is, this has been, a, for me, this has been a really great course. I didn't have the magic Alex to just stumble into figuring out to put fun on the calendar and start that way. I had to ask somebody to show it to me. And, and uh, this is what did it for me. So I'm going to put up the link for that. And those are my two picks. Awesome. Actually, I can definitely attest to the fact that not having a lot of background noise is helpful. My partner just purchased a, like a Google Home thing. And he put it in the office near me because it also acts as our Wi-Fi. It's like the, the mesh Wi-Fi network. And here I am, I'm working on Google Ads. And so he put it near me and I'm chatting to my client and saying something about a Google something or other. And then all of a sudden, this thing thinks I'm saying, hey, Google, and it starts talking to me. So I've turned that off now. I like being in a quiet environment too. So just a trick for a tip for anyone who works with Google products, don't have a Google Home near you. <laughs> be in a, we want to be indistractable, right. like we were sharing. So uh, my pick this week, I, um, I picked this book up on Saturday and I've already finished it. I love it. It was called um, 8020 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall. And um, something that I really like about this one, he actually includes a link to some software in there. And the software, it, it just plots out this, it, it plots out the curve that he's describing in the 8020 curve. So it's actually an exponential curve, I believe. And what it lets you do is it lets you work out how much a particular distribution is, is worth. So it, it's, aimed at um, sales and marketing people. But something I found really interesting, I, I plugged in my own clients in there uh, in terms of how much each one was worth. And mine didn't quite follow the exponential curve. But what I found was that I had a whole lot of clients that were close to the higher level, but I didn't have any one client that was as high as it would be in an exponential and then I had these different kind of clusters of clients so I realized that if I dropped out the bottom three then the higher ones could become a new kind of flat part of my curve and I could actually increase my offering and when I did that like this software it's fantastic it lets you plug in new numbers and it just recalculates everything for you I worked out that if I got rid of my bottom three and kind of redistributed my curve, I'd be earning another $4,000 a month in revenue from basically a similar client set. Uh, just and, and also helped me to work out how much I should be charging different clients as well. So really, really fantastic. The book was really interesting. I love the fact that it was a bit more like the, the person that wrote it was an engineer. So I love the fact that it was a bit more technical. And, and it doesn't look like it's going to be technical because the cover just looks, you know, pretty much like an ordinary marketing book, but it does have technical things in there. And I just love the software that came with it. So yeah, that's my pick. I will definitely share the link for that one. Alrighty. Anyone have anything else to say before we finish up? No, this was really fun. I mean, I'm really glad you guys had me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. It's fantastic. And I'm glad that we've got all the different ways to reach out to you now. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of listeners that are really interested in, in what you're doing. So yeah, thank thanks you. a lot. And thanks as well, John. All right, everybody. This is Freelancer Show signing off for DevChat TV. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.